Yo, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Wrestle... Not the WrestleCast. This is the Hockey Cast, and we're on episode 53 or something. 53, I think that sounds about right. So this is my weekly hockey show where I talk about all the news and the crazy stuff that's going on in the NHL, mostly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, but I can talk about just about any team, and we got quite a bit on today's docket. I mean, there is a big three-way trade that is currently in the works right now as I'm recording. It's not officially out yet, so we're going to talk about that. Stanley Cup Finals are obviously off on their way, so we're going to have to go over and take a look at some of that stuff. We got signings going on extensions new coaches new gms so and we got a champion in quebec so we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of that stuff but since i kind of teased it off at the beginning let's talk about this three-way trade that's currently going down between the columbus blue jackets los angeles kings and the philadelphia flyers so according to the twitter (laughs) with uh elliot and all that so we got Provorov going to Columbus. You got Sean Walker, Cal Peterson to Philadelphia. Kings will retain 30% of the Provorov deal. I don't know what's going to uh, Los Angeles. There may not be anything. I think what Los Angeles is looking for here is cap space. So they're getting out of the Cal Peterson contract. That's fantastic. And that would also leave them some extra space to maybe re-sign Gavrikov, who they've been trying to get a contract done with over the last few weeks. So... Good chance we're going to see an extension for Gavrikov come out fairly soon, maybe even shortly after I'm done this, who knows. But, I mean, Provorov out of Philadelphia, he is now a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, very, very interesting, if this is the case. Um, I mean, I've, I always thought Provorov was going to be one of the best defensemen in the league. And, yeah, just over the last few years, it just hasn't been going good. And a lot of people can kind of um, say the pin, pinpoint where Provorov started going wrong is when... Uh, what is it, Neskinen, he came over from Washington, went to Philadelphia, he was playing with them, they played really, really well, and then Neskinen, I believe, retired, so that was a, just a fantastic D partner that he had there, and he hasn't been able to find that that really good defensive partner to go with Provorov, so I'm imagining this is going to be a really nice change of scenery for him, you know, going from Philadelphia, kind of been a shit show over there for the last little while, and they got Tortorella over there, so... Him going to Columbus Blue Jackets, there may be a really nasty coach waiting for him there as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, man, I, I don't know, like, definitely not the defenseman that I think Philadelphia needed to move off of. There's a few other defensemen on that team that maybe they should have tried to move off of. Oh, Ristolainen! Oh, who said that? I don't know who said that, but... I mean, it's it's a. I think it's a good change for. I, I don't know if Philadelphia is winning this trade. I mean, they're getting a goaltender, Cal Peterson. We saw how that went down with him last season in Los Angeles. He ended up getting demoted to the AHL. Didn't even really play all that good down in the AHL. And yeah, so this again, this is why goal to, goaltenders are so incredibly hard to predict. Like they can have a great season and everything works out for them, their contract's up, they get signed, and then it's just gone. It's just not there anymore. There's been a lot of one-and-done goaltenders throughout the year. I mean, uh, uh, Jim Carrey, Net Detective, you got Tom Barrasso, others, you know? I mean, even Ray Emery had, like, not saying that any of these guys were bad goaltenders, but they had incredibly good seasons, career years, basically. So, again, maybe a change of scenery for Peterson could be good. Um going over there to Tortorella, so I don't know, man, so you're gonna have Katahat, you got Katahat and uh, Peterson, gonna be two young goaltending tandem there, I mean, at least you have Tortorella, generally is able to get a better defensive performance out of his team, so it could be a decent spot for him to go, we'll have to just kind of wait and see, but that was kind of a bombshell that got dropped onto me like five minutes before I was coming down to record, so I was like, oh shit, so I gotta talk about it, that's kind of all that I know about it, there isn't a whole lot, it's not official yet as of me reading all this stuff, so that is something that's going down, I was unaware that trades could really be going down right now, but it's two teams, they're not in the playoffs or anything, so I guess that's fine, but 
I was under the impression that you weren't supposed to be able to make deals until like the draft day or something. But no, that's cool. I mean, that's interesting. Uh, speaking of really cool, so we got an eight-year extension here coming out of Montreal, and this one a little bit jealous about, not going to lie. Cole Caulfield signs the eight-year extension coming out to $7.85 million per season. And man, I I mean, Montreal fans got to be celebra- celebrating in the streets after that one, right? I mean, wow, what a deal. Guy could potentially be a bonafide 40, maybe 50 goal scorer, but he looks like he's going to project to be one of the better goal scorers in the league. He is locked up long-term along with his best buddy, Nick Suzuki. And man, I, I got to say, watching what Montreal's been doing over the last couple seasons, it's looking like they're building something really good over there. I mean, last season was, even though it was a shit show on the in the standing front, but I thought the... Just the team, the fans around the team, they seem to be really gelling. I like a lot of the young players over there. That Arbor Jack guy, he seems really awesome. You didn't get to see a whole lot of Slavkovsky last year. He got injured. Same with Cole Caulfield. He kind of went down. But once... But even when they're when before all the injuries happening, they were playing pretty well together. And then Cole Caulfield went down. That was pretty much it. All the teams can really focus in on Suzuki, and that was that. But man, with uh, they got the draft coming up, Montreal could grab up another pretty solid player right here. I I wouldn't think that is going to be a player that's going to go right into the lineup. But it's looking pretty good right now, man. And those really those two deals right there with Suzuki and Caulfield, they're both. I think they're both under, I know Caulfield's under eight, but I'm pretty sure Suzuki is under eight as well. He's like just under eight. That's incredible, man. Like that is, you can build such a good team over there in Montreal with those guys there. Like how could you like, same thing that's kind of going down uh, between Suzuki and Caulfield. Like you can't pay Caulfield more than Suzuki. I know some people will argue that you can, but I mean, Suzuki he's going to be the captain. If he's not already the captain, he's a very, very important player for them over there. He's very mature. And yeah, so it's, it's going to be really good. That's going to be a very good bargaining chip for the GM over there in Montreal. It's like, well, our, you know, our most popular best player captain, he makes this. So do you want to be the guy that makes more? So they definitely are doing something really smart over there. I really, really like the contract. I've seen some people not all the way in on that because, uh, you know, he got injured last year and there isn't a long track record of sustained success with Caulfield. But, I mean, with the salary cap going up next season, a little bit this year, that deal is only going to get better and better and better. I have, I have been kind of thinking that maybe something like worst case Ontario maybe it goes down kind of like Brock Besser how like Brock Besser whenever you see that guy play a lot of people are like oh that guy's got one of the best shots in the league but he can never really seem to get it together he's got a lot of injury problems he's playing in Vancouver there's a lot of heat on him all the time so I don't know if things start to go wrong with Cole Caulfield I could see you know maybe if he has a bad year and he only gets 20 goals and the fans start getting on him maybe something wrong can go go down but i mean he looks he, i can i can almost safely say he's going to be a fine player i think he's going to be really good i was fucking like of course they get him for for such a great price and an 8 year deal like wow like you would expect if it was going to be 8 years you would expect maybe it would be a little bit longer cuz they're buying so many unrestricted free agent years but i mean i got to say man well done by montreal that is a hell of a deal and the future looks extremely bright for montreal we'll see how they what they're going to do with free agency what they're going to do with their extra money what's going to happen with Carey Price and Shea Weber oh, i think Shea Weber's contracts already been traded off but you know, there's a there's the future's looking really bright. That's really all I can say about the Montreal Canadiens looking really, really good. Speaking of really good, I mean, there was another big deal handed out. So we talked about Kyle Dubas last week. Obviously, he is the new president and and all that of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that's all great and everything. But last week, I didn't I didn't get I didn't hear any news about how long this extension was, how long he was supposed to be there, and now that's come out. It is a seven year deal for Kyle Dubas. That's a lot. That's a long time. So, um, yeah, Pittsburgh definitely wanted him. They wanted him bad. They were going to give him anything that he wanted. Gave him a whole bunch of years. Gave him all the security. He had meetings with Crosby and the higher-ups and all that stuff. And he had his press conference and stuff. And a lot of people are going off on Dubas because they're like, ah, he did it again. Because in his press conference, he was like, I believe in the core of Pittsburgh. I believe in the core of Sidney Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. We're going to stay with these guys and we will win with these guys. And I'm betting, I'm putting all my chips on this core. So Kyle Dubas, I don't know if he just didn't learn his lessons from Toronto with the whole we can and we will situation, but it's definitely a different 
different situation. I mean, uh, Crosby, Malik, and Latang are substantially older than the core in Toronto. So, I mean, Crosby's deal is up in a couple of years, and then the atrocities of Latang and Malkin's contracts. Like, oh my god, dude. So, technically, like, I think his... That I don't know. I'm not really going to take anything that those GMs say for for truth. They have to say what needs to be said, not necessarily what what should be said. So I don't know if I like. I love Chris Letang and all that stuff. I just I cannot believe that deal got signed. It's absolutely insane. Like how are like you can't win with that kind of stuff on there and. Those, that amount of money and going to a player that's... They're just such an old team and everything. But Kyle Dubas definitely has his work cut out for him over there. He's going to be there for a hot minute. And people are trying to gauge what Kyle Dubas is going to do. I think he's going to try and be as competitive as he can. I think he's going to be very smart about it. I don't think he'll be reckless. I feel like that's kind of the reason why they brought him in here. Uh, some past GMs were maybe a little bit reckless about the future of the team. Kyle Dubas, I think, will bring a good balance where he's going to find the players that he can to get in there and hopefully beef up the team a little bit. He might be able to move out some of those bad contracts that are on there. I mean, Jeff Petrie, he is just an ancient man with a massive contract. The Granlin deal was was really, really bad. And there's some other deals on the team that have a lot of term on them, like Rust, even though I know people really like him. There's just a lot of term left on that deal. And like, how good is Rust without Crosby kind of deal, right? They got Gensel coming up soon. And of course, you got Crosby coming up in a couple years. What's what's that going to look like? Is Sidney Crosby still going to want a lot of money? Is Crosby going to want to go somewhere else? I mean, that's highly doubtful. He's won three cups. What does he have to prove? He doesn't really have to leave Pittsburgh to, <laughs> to go chase a fourth cup. There's really not a big incentive for him to go off and like ruin his legacy in Pittsburgh, but... That's just up in the air. And, of course, the, the conversation is how many Toronto Maple Leafs do people think uh, is Kyle Dubas going to bring over to Pittsburgh? And, and the big one is right now, I think, Kyle, um, Michael Bunting. A lot of people are thinking Michael Bunting could be a fantastic piece to bring over to Pittsburgh. He's played with superstars. He's played well with superstars, playing with Matthews and Marner on the top lines. He can be aggressive he's fairly decent in the on the boards and everything decent in front of the net and everything pretty likable guy at least from some of the videos that i've seen outside of hockey he he seems to be a pretty likable funny man and uh yeah i could see kyle dubas maybe trying to bring him over to pittsburgh put him on the wing with crosby could be a good fit over there and of course a lot of people are talking about justin hall coming over there i mean gladly go ahead please take him take him out of toronto i don't think he will last another year in toronto if without kyle dubas defending him and there's no way the people are going to get their hands on justin and and we're going to do some terrible things to justin so justin for the safety of you and your family go to pittsburgh so Really, really long deal for Kyle Dubas. Like I said, though, I think that he's also going to be making some deals that are going to make the the ending of the era of Crosby and that core, because they got a limited amount of time. They might have another run, maybe two runs left in them, but how how many runs are you how are you gonna get a team with a 38 and a 39, 40-year-old core into the playoffs and winning cups I mean very very highly unlikely so what Pittsburgh is going to need to start doing now they got to start getting some draft capital in there they're going to start bringing some draft picks in to start filling up the cupboards because they've been selling off first round picks for years been selling off young prospects for years so it's time for Kyle Dubas to try and start fluffing up the cupboards and he's going to do the thing that he always liked to do with Toronto and that's trading down draft picks to get more draft picks and I don't think that's a bad thing I think it's actually a really smart thing if you feel that your guy is is going to go later and you don't need it to be a first round pick you can turn that first into a second and a third I think that's fine especially for a team that's in a position such as Penguins where you're going to need to fill the cupboard so you're going to want as many many lottery tickets as possible and I think Kyle, Kyle Dubas is really good at getting you lottery tickets and he's generally pretty good at I wouldn't say he's hitting the lottery but he can find you some winners every now and again so I could feel I think Kyle Dubas is going to do a really good job. I just, uh, I know a lot of people were talking about him possibly waiting out for the the Senator's job, which I'm very happy that he didn't do that. I wouldn't want to see um, Kyle Dubas building up a team that probably could be better than the Toronto Maple Leafs in a short amount of time. They have a really good young team over there in Ottawa. They just kind of need everything to come together for them, and they could be extremely dangerous. So I'm happy that Dubas didn't end up going to Ottawa, so that's pretty cute here. 
And speaking of, oh, one more thing about Kyle Dubas. I'm just curious about Jason Spezza because I love Jason Spezza. So Jason, he resigned immediately after Kyle Dubas was let go by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that basically leads us all to believe that that Jason Spezza is going to follow Dubas wherever he's going. That's his guy. That's his boy. Totally cool with that. I'm sad that Jason's going to leave us, but... Um, I'm just sad. There's not really much more I can put on that. It's very sad to see that man leave. I love his laugh, love his face, love everything about him, quite honestly. But what role is Jason Spezza going to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, some people are speculating that he could potentially be put into the GM chair because, I don't know, it's becoming more and more clear with everybody in the NHL that GM isn't necessarily what it is. You're not always the guy that's actually making all the trades and have all the all the power and everything for the most part it's the president and a lot of people are just calling presidents like the gms now and and gms are just the guy that has to go out there and face the media and take all the criticism so on and so forth so maybe that's in jason spezza's future i mean i just hope for the best for that guy i would love for him to win a stanley cup in any capacity he deserves it he's so awesome but i mean you can come back to toronto whenever you want okay jason we got we got spots waiting for you so Back to Brad Tree Living, the new GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So this little nugget came out. Um, it might have slipped through the cracks for me last week when I, you know, do all my research and stuff. But uh, apparently, Brad Tree Living is not allowed to be at the draft for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Apparently, he's still under contract with Calgary until then, so he's not supposed to be involved with the draft so he's not going to be making the picks I, don't, I I imagine he's not going to have any sort of influence on the draft, which is interesting. So. I don't know, like maybe they could have hired him a little bit later, more than likely someone might have snagged him up, but um, that's disappointing, I mean you would want the guy, you know, he's here before the draft, it'd be nice to have him, you know, take part in that draft, but as far as if we have Brandon Pridham there, I think everything's going to be okay, but I, I'm just curious what's going to go down with the draft. So if if we're going into this draft with Kyle Dubas, we would have to have, um, there would be speculation, okay, what are we doing with that first? Are we trading that down for a second and a third? More than likely, but what's going to happen with, now we got new leadership sort of, I don't know, right? Because Shanahan's still there. So it's going to be an interesting draft for sure with the Leafs. I'm very, very curious to see what they're going to do with that first round pick. Is, is a big trade going to happen? I mean, uh, Treliving kind of just saying the typical GM stuff. We're going to look at all of our options. Option number, you know, main thing number one is get Matthew signed. They're saying that Sheldon Keefe is safe, which, I mean, I'm fine with. I like Sheldon Keefe, but in all honesty, I just think that the Leafs could do better. Like, there's got to be a coach out there that that is just a better coach. I'm just thinking that Sheldon Keefe, again, I'll say it again, just people keep saying that he keeps getting outcoached. I think he's got a lot of right ideas, but um, I don't know. We'll see how that goes down. I was a little bit surprised that, um, like, I just wouldn't expect him to come, Trey Living to come out and say, like, oh, yeah, I'm getting rid of that fucking guy. He's not my guy. I fucking hate that guy. Get him out of here. It's going to be interesting, though, so... So now that we've talked about coaches, let's go back to Columbus because there is a very, very interesting story coming out of there. No, not the Ivan Provorov thing, but their next new head coach is apparently going to be Mike Babcock. Oh, the cock is back. Apparently, he is signing a four-year deal to be the new head coach of the Blue Jackets. So this is extremely interesting. We discussed this a little bit last week, and uh, it looks to be official. I don't I don't think it's... I've heard from pretty good sources that it sounds like that's happening, and I'm very interested in that. I feel bad for Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine and all them, but it has been a few years since Babcock's been in the league. I really doubt that he's changed, like, majorly in in uh, the way that he operates as a human being, but um, I would imagine that he's going to go in there a little bit reserved. He did say that there was some rumors and speculation that he could potentially go to the Rangers. Now, he's come out and said that he didn't want to go to a big, loud, crazy market, obviously, because of all the controversy that was surrounding him in his Toronto Maple Leaf days, and then all the stories coming out about what he did in Detroit, and yeah, so he doesn't have, like, um, a good track record necessarily, and again, I'm not necessarily surprised that he is back in the NHL, this is just kind of how that stuff goes with hockey, it's really quite awful, but um, four years for Babcock over there for Columbus, Columbus in a pretty 
shaky spot, right? So they're lately they've been getting a little bit more momentum, being able to sign a guy like Johnny Goudreau. No one really saw that one coming, but there he is. And yeah, last season was an absolute fucking disaster for them. Almost everything went wrong for them. So many injuries. Merzlikens just didn't have it last year. And yeah, it was rough. It was a very, very rough year. No one was really expecting him to be good, but no one was expecting him to be that bad. And on top of that, they don't win the draft lottery. They didn't get Bedard, so they're still not going to get a superstar in Columbus. And But they do get Babcock, so you're getting Babcock as... Uh, oh boy. So, I mean, what I think Babcock is going to do there, I think he's going to do a decent job at the beginning, but um, kind of like the Leafs, he's going to come in there... He's going to try and clean everything up, get everything into a system, kind of organize everything a little bit, and you might see some more structure out of Columbus. So I think for the short term, it, it's a fairly decent move for Columbus. I feel like there's should have been another coach somewhere out there that should have gotten the opportunity over him. But um, I think, yeah, in the long term, I don't know about the four years, though. Um, maybe if he's learned his lesson and he's able to... Like, I don't know, man. That's tough. They're going to they're gonna be a young team over there. They're trying to build something up in Columbus. And I just don't think Babcock is all that good with the young guys. I mean, obviously, what he did to Marner, making Mitch Marner put down a top list of guys that he thinks works hardest and shit like that. Like, if he's pulling that shit off over there in Columbus again, I mean, it's going to be only a matter of time before. But, you know, the thing is, Columbus isn't Toronto. They're not going to... I don't know how much they're paying him. I would imagine it's probably pretty hefty. It's Mike Babcock, but I don't think he's going to be making Toronto Maple Leaf money. But he's probably making some decent money and probably enough money that Columbus wouldn't want to can him, fire another guy, and then pay him on top of Babcock. They're just not not as strong as a franchise as the Toronto Maple Leafs. They don't have billions of dollars to just throw around and shit. So going to be really, really interesting to see what, what happens with... Um, with Columbus so poor Provorov you're getting sent over there to deal with that and I don't know if Johnny Goudreau really had this in mind when he got to Columbus but uh, have fun with Babcock you just got out of Sutter I don't think Babcock is as cruel as Sutter is I don't know it's a different kind of cruelty Babcock is definitely more mental he likes to get in your head fuck around with you and just yeah and uh, Sutter will just I don't know he just treats you like a neglectful dad it's just mean (laughs) So that's going on. Really interesting. We got other coaches getting hired here. So we got Greg Cronin hired by the Ducks. He is going to be coaching for the first time in the NHL. He was Colorado's, uh, I believe it's the Eagles in the AHL. He was the head coach down there for a really long time. And uh, as far as I could tell, he's got a lot of coaching experience. I think I read somewhere he had over 30, 35 years of coaching experience. So this is good, man. This is good. I like to see a guy that hasn't had a chance yet and give him a shot. Like, what? What are we? what's the problem here? Like, why are we going to rehash? Like, the thing that drives me the most nuts, it's always the coaches that aren't any good that are getting rehashed. They got fired for a reason. So let's bring them in here. The same thing happens. They get fired. And yeah. So I'm happy that the Ducks are bringing in someone new. He has a lot of experience, and I'm hoping for the best with him. Uh, You know, I I have no real idea what he's going to bring to the Ducks other than a new voice, which a lot of the time is is enough of a spark to really get a team going. No, I don't think that the Ducks are going to, like, make the playoffs or anything next season, but I really would expect that they're going to do better than they did this season, which isn't saying a lot, but it is something, right? So new coach, Greg Cronin, congratulations. Uh, what else do we got for coaches? Nothing. I don't think we have any more to do with coaches. Uh, well, sort of. Uh, so uh, the Quebec Ramparts have won the Memorial Cup. That is the team that Patrick Waugh is coaching. So there's a little, well, obvious congratulations to the Ramparts. I'm sad that the Peter Peets didn't, I wasn't expecting them to do much. They did substantially better than I thought they were going to do. So good for them. They got pummeled a little bit, did a little pummeling. So it was cool. But the the finals for the Memorial Cup, a little bit of a letdown. The Ramparts absolutely took it to the Firebirds. I think it was 5 nothing, 6 nothing. So not really a game you, you would like to see for the finals. You don't want to see it to be that one-sided. But with that being said, Patrick Waugh has been a fairly successful coach down there. Just won a Memorial Cup, so... A lot of people are speculating that Patrick Waugh could be coming back to the NHL. So some people may not remember Patrick Waugh was actually a coach in the NHL for a short period of time for the Colorado Avalanche. 
Uh, pretty well-known little run there. I think it was his first game that he coached. He got into it with uh, another coach on the other team. Forget what team it was. And he was like breaking down the barriers in between the benches. It was a fucking shit show. And Patrick Waugh, he had a very, very successful first season. And then it kind of fell apart, got fired. And then we haven't heard from Patrick Waugh ever since. That was a long time ago. I think that was over 10 years ago now. So... Patrick has been coaching down in the KHL, or not KHL, QMJHL, I believe, and he's been picking up a lot of experiences, I imagine learning some things, so maybe he could be an effective NHL coach again. Like, I mean, I was honestly surprised that he had such a short cup of coffee. I know he is a uh, very hot-headed man. He likes to get to a 10 very quickly, and coaching is is not necessarily the best environment for hot-headed people. It is a very stressful job, and, and yes, but entertainment-wise, I would absolutely love to see Patrick Waugh come back into the NHL again. I think that would be amazing. How is he not here? Uh, some people are speculating that he could be in on the Rangers job, though I still believe that Laviolette, that's, it's his job. Is, but, hey, if, uh, well, now we're going to find out, right? Because the, the Memorial Cup just finished, so we're going to start hearing a little bit more, I would imagine, about Patrick Waugh. He didn't want to do any talking, obviously, before the, the, the Cup was over and the tournament was done. So now that that's done, we might have some interviews. We might start hearing teams starting to have interviews with Patrick Waugh, talking with him. So it's going to be interesting. There's not many teams left that need a coach. Um, I mean, Calgary is still out there. I don't think he would fit in very well in Calgary after... Uh, I, it'd be hard to say, right? I just don't think... I don't think he would want to go there personally either. I, that's just what I feel. I just... What? Patrick Waugh in Calgary. I just... That doesn't sound right to me, but I would be very, it'd be very, very interesting. Uh, a lot of people are speculating with Calgary that it could be Tangay. Uh, it could be, I think they have um, a coach. I think they're looking for someone within the organization. So that's pretty cool. I, I'm still waiting on Calgary information for when their new coach is going to be announced, or I haven't even really heard many candidates other than. Tangay and that they're currently looking on the inside. Uh, a little bit of news about the Flames' new arena deal. So the the arena is going to get built, and apparently in that deal, it states that there is a 35-year commitment to stay. So, I mean, hey, Flames fans, this is fantastic news. Flames aren't going to go anywhere for at least 35 years. So, yay, that, that's really cool. That's a long fucking time, so we won't have to worry about any of that stuff happening. None, of, No, no Albertan teams are going to be leaving, though they've been... You know, over the history, there's been a couple of times that Edmonton and Calgary have, you know, been uh, suggested maybe that they move out of there. And thankfully, right now, they're in very, very good places. Both of them, well, the Oilers have their brand new building. Calgary's got one on the way. So that's pretty fucking dope. Um, we did have the Gary Bettman. He did his little press conference thing. I didn't watch it because I just can't listen to that man speak. He's... uh. He just says nothing for the most part and not very interesting. The only thing that I saw was him saying that he liked the Blackberry movie, which I was like, oh, all right, I kind of want to see that Blackberry movie too because it's got freaking Buddy from Always Sunny in it. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to see that. But Gary Bettman uh, claims that they're still hoping for a long ter- uh, long-term deal for the Phoenix Coyote or the Arizona Coyotes in Phoenix. So Bettman, I mean, not all that shockingly, still hanging on for dear life with his precious Arizona Coyotes. Um, he he still believes that they're going to stay, but um, I don't know, man. That's really, that's tough. I, I would be a little bit surprised, but not that surprised. So that's really all. He didn't say all that much. There's some words saying that... Um, the salary cap could be going up to six or to eight million dollars, not this coming season, but the next one after all that, all the COVID shit is paid off and all that, then the cap can finally go up. So they're looking at maybe a million dollars this season, maybe more. It's still very much so up in the air, but they sound, it's been very consistent for a few years now that the salary cap next season is going to skyrocket up quite a bit. If it goes up six to eight million dollars, that is going to be a very, very fun free agency, and a lot of people are going to get paid a lot of money that they probably don't deserve. But it is what it is. So Gary speculating some stuff. He really didn't say anything all that important. Uh, not a big fan of the man. So there is that. So one more piece of news that I mean, it's it's sort of news, but uh, the whole Valerie Nachushkin thing is still 
kind of unraveling here, but not a whole lot of new information. So they released the body cam footage of the police officers that were dealing with the situation. And I mean, there's two versions of it. There's like the 14 minute with probably a whole bunch of crap you don't need. I watched kind of the... The, the cut down version and you know it was a an intoxic intoxicated woman very distraught very confused uh demanding for her passport some bad man stole it and uh, i guess bad man she's referring to valerie nachushkin at that point they had some uh i don't know coaches or some trainers or something like that talking to police officers um some weird in some i don't know the some of the footage was cut the audio was cut so but there was some Something weird is going on here. Like, it's definitely very, very, very sketchy. Like, I can't stress how sketchy this whole thing is. Uh, you got a woman with a, with a rich hockey player in a room. She's, she's very drunk. And it seems really messed up. Now, I'm not saying anything about... It's just the whole situation is so weird. He just disappears midway through the playoffs. No one really says anything about it. He just goes off, disappears. And, uh, yeah, then they... they come out with these reports that he was with this girl and now the body cam footage is really nothing to it but it just feels off something feels very strange we haven't heard anything from Valerie Nachushkin the league has come out to say that he will be allowed to come back and play there's no there's no problems there he's fine to come back and play and everything so I don't know man it's a really fucking strange sketchy situation I just figured I might as well mention it because I kind of forgot about it a little bit and then that came up they're like oh yeah Valerie I was like oh yeah what the fuck was going on with that guy so really not a whole lot has been going on with that guy so yeah Okay, now it's a little bit later on in the day, and we have the official uh, trade of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have acquired defenseman Ivan Provorov from the Philadelphia Flyers in a three-team trade. That includes Los Angeles Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers. So we got Philly acquiring goaltender Cal Peterson, defenseman Shane Walker, Helg Granz, who I believe was a first-round pick last year. They also get a first-round pick in the 2023 draft, a second in the 24 draft, and a conditional second in the 24 draft. Los Angeles, they acquire defenseman Kevin Connaughton, forward Hayden Hodgson, and 30% of Ivan Provorov's contract. So that is the official trade. Uh, pretty much everything that I said at the beginning stands pretty much the the same I mean it's it could be a really good situation for Los Angeles if they if they can get Provorov back on the same track and I feel like he was fairly burned out with Philadelphia so that could be a good thing for him all the younger players it's it's up in the air right now like one of them there was a first round pick last year so we're not going to find out necessarily who won this trade for a few years because we got to wait until if the young guns are going to make it into the NHL make a big impact or anything like that but on paper, right now, um, LA gets, um, is it LA? No, Columbus gets Provorov, which is dope. And, I mean, the Flyers taking on the contract to Cal Peterson. It's risky fucking business. And, you know, the goaltending hasn't been that strong over there in Philadelphia for quite some... Well, I mean, it's been kind of up and down. But Katahat, he's he's going to have to get it going. And I don't know. I don't know if I like that dynamic of two young goalies over there. You won't really have someone with that experience, like a rock, like maybe a Brian Elliott or something to rely on. It's like, bro, I'm going through the shitter right now. And he'd be like, oh, it's okay. I fucking, I am the shit, so I can help you. Stuff like that. I don't know. But it's a very interesting trade. Really hoping for a lot more big trades like that throughout the offseason. That's kind of the word, since for agency so we can all that stuff so hopefully we get to see some more trades like this uh coming out that would be awesome all right let's talk about the playoffs so the finals have kicked off and maybe not necessarily what everybody was expecting myself personally i wasn't expecting uh the panthers to win the first game because it just everything was in the favor of the vegas golden knights they're at home they got the more the more fresh momentum going on they were they beat their opponents and they still got that momentum going they got a good little break but not too long and yeah game one goes down right away well pretty early on you get this fucking shorthanded goal from Eric Stahl I mean the dude has gone full grizzly man with the hair and the beard it's it's a really funny look I I, I like that it's pretty good blown away by that shorthanded goal and I mean Bobrovsky was making some nice saves early he was looking pretty decent he looked Definitely didn't look as comfortable as he has in the uh, in the last two series there. You can definitely tell he was... Uh, it just wasn't quite there. 
But the thing about Vegas in this series so far, they've done a fantastic job at getting traffic in front of the net, not letting Bobrovsky see the shots. And when they take the shots, they they take it at the perfect time. Rather, right when Bobrovsky is going down, they'll shoot it up high. Or right, right when he goes to look left, trying to look around the screen, they'll shoot it right. And, man, Vegas has done a very, very good job. Something that I was begging you know, the Leafs to do to get more traffic in front of the net. And I mean, they, they did, but it just wasn't very effective. Vegas is doing a phenomenal job at this. They're a massive team. Uh, apparently, I heard on a podcast that um, Vegas only has like one guy that's under six foot or six foot one or something like that. Regardless, uh, Vegas is a very, very big team and something that Florida has done quite effectively throughout this playoff run that isn't really there for this series so far. It could still come, but it's their, their bullying. They're after the whistle shenanigans, they're pushing, they're, they're hitting and trash talking, all of that stuff that it was effective against the Leafs. It was effective against Carolina, and right now, I just think the size difference between the Panthers and Vegas, they're just like, what are you going to do? I mean, we got so many big guys in Vegas. They got that huge defensive core, and it's not that Florida is small. It's just that I think all throughout the lineup, it's just that Vegas has so many big bodies. It's it's extremely tough to move a big body in front of the net. It's, it's yeah, it, they're definitely doing a very, very good job. And Bruce Cassidy, I mean, goddamn, he's got a game plan. He knew exactly what needed to be done. And Vegas at this point, they're executing extremely well. Uh, second period, oh my goodness, dude. Aiden Hill made... Probably the best save that I saw in this playoffs. Might be one of the best saves I've seen this whole entire year. That paddle save was absolutely fucking bananas. I forget who he robbed, but right at that moment, you knew, like, okay, it's it's fucking on right here. And then right, I think it was almost shortly right after this, uh, Panthers with an absolutely horrible giveaway to Mark Stone, who has been an animal in this series so far. He's just been fucking taking pucks from everybody making forcing turnovers like crazy doing exactly what mark stone does he is an incredible two-way forward very good with the stick and he's not taking a lot of penalties to boot so he's performing very very well for them right now so he grabs the puck off them goes right to his stick he scores and that puts the game away Uh, after that i mean you could definitely tell the the fire was out with the Panthers in that game. They started doing their shenanigans. Uh, lots of penalties getting handed out at the end of that game. I mean, kind of saw it coming from a mile away. And um, But we haven't seen it in a while like this from Florida because they haven't lost the game in a while. So, yeah, the, usually if they're, if they're going down, kind of similar style to when the Boston Bruins go down. If they're losing, Brad Marchand's going to start acting like an asshole, trying to get in your kitchen, get in your head. And that's what Florida likes to do. Matthew Kachuk's going to start bumping goalies. He's going to start a little bit of extra this and that after every whistle. Big hard checks. And then, of course, you got Gudis over there, who is just an absolute nightmare to deal with. I would not want to have to deal with that guy. But game one goes to Vegas. They win this one 5-2. to two. I mean... Um, I think I based, I had a fairly decent prediction on how this game was going to go down. I figured that it could get ugly for Florida. I wouldn't call this one ugly, especially when once we talk about Game 2. Now, that shit was ugly. But, I mean, Game 1, it was good. I enjoyed the game. The beginning of the game was really good. Lots of back-and-forth stuff, but... Vegas, man, they just had pedal to the metal. They have a game plan. They know what they're doing. And like I said, they're executing so far. So game two starts. Doesn't go very good for uh, Florida in this one either. And again, man, Vegas so effective at taking away Bobrovsky's eyes. This is the one, this is the game where I saw, I didn't get to watch the whole entire game because, I don't know, I, I just turned it off because it just felt like the game was over and I was right and uh you know I gotta save the data you know I gotta only have so much data every month but Bobrovsky gets pulled out of this one and uh that's I I believe that's the first time he's been pulled this playoff and Alex Lyon goes in so Bobrovsky he didn't have a good game he let in four goals on only 13 shots so some things that people have been talking about, you know, when we're when it comes to the Con Smythe talk is if is Bobrovsky really in contention for that? And a lot of people believe that it comes down to how he performs in the Stanley Cup finals. And I mean, no one's gonna take away what he did against Toronto. No one should take away what he did in Carolina. He's been fantastic. But so far in this playoff, he's a, he's a sub nine hundred save percentage quite by quite a bit. 
And uh, at this point, it kind of looks like the magic might be gone out of Bobrovsky. It's going to be really tough for him to get back into it. But they're going back home, so they have a chance to get some momentum back. But the way that Vegas is playing right now, man, I think they're uh, they're just kind of flat out outplaying Florida in just about every metric right here. It's just a little bit more hitting, more blocking. The only thing that Florida may have is the shot game, but... Uh, Vegas is just capitalizing on great chances. They're making these chances happen by forcing turnovers. They're extremely aggressive on the four check. And they roll four lines. Like, every line that they have right now is pitching in. Uh, some more than others. But regardless, they're getting performances from all lines. And of course, I mean, Aiden Hill, he looks really freaking good, man. Uh, in this game, he got into a, a little bit of a jousting match there with Matty Kachuk. He fell into the into his net, and he was trying to get out. And of course, Kachuk being Kachuk, he gets a little shot in there. And fucking, <laughs> he gets a good whack from the, from the goalie paddle there. So I, I like the intensity out of Aiden Hill, man. Like, he's a gamer. He's in there. He, he doesn't really seem to be getting shook by anything. He's making big saves himself. And right now, he's out playing... Sergei Bobrovsky, and with each passing game, he keeps this up. He could very well fuck around and get a con Smythe. I mean, I know he wasn't, he didn't play in every single game, I don't believe, but man, he has gotten them there. I don't know what Vegas would have done without Aiden Hill. Like, they still had Jonathan Quick sitting there. That's the, that's the scary thing. Like, that guy is like a secret little weapon, possibly hiding right there, that they never even needed to deploy because Aiden Hill's been so fantastic. But yeah, man, Vegas. Very effective at taking away Bobrovsky's eyes. That goal where with the big screen, Bobrovsky goes left, the puck goes right, and bam, it's in the net. And uh, yeah, man, it wasn't not a good game for Bobrovsky. Uh, people are talking about Alex Lyon right now. It's like, oh, could he go back in there and maybe take over and get it going? But he goes in there and he lets in three himself. So he didn't necessarily go in there and help the Florida Panthers all that much. But again, the team all together just wasn't performing. This one, uh, you had Gudis, who was shaky coming into this game. So they had they were running eleven forward, seven defensemen. Gudis left the um, the pregame warm up. He he left and then, but he came back for the game. He was playing. He ended up leaving the game after uh, he took a big hit, and I think he delivered a big hit. There was a lot of hitting going on in this game, but the big hit was that got all the attention was Kachuk absolutely fucking sending Jack Eichel back in time because that hit was massive and honest to god I saw the replay like 15 times looked clean to me man it just looked like uh, unfortunately Jack Eichel got caught off balance there he saw the hit coming it was too late so he could brace himself I saw shoulder on shoulder impact right there it was a scary hit because Eichel was kind of like mid stride going forward and then he takes the hit, and his legs and, and feet were kind of bent. He got very, very lucky right there. Like He could have easily broken his leg uh, with the way that it was bent back. But from the look, with, look of it, I didn't see anything get like hyperextended. But uh, Eichel clearly shook him up after that hit. He didn't get right back up. He stayed on the ground, but on his knees. So he was definitely in some dis discomfort there. I believe that he left this game. Probably went to the quiet room. I do believe he did come back, though. So things seem to be okay with Eichel, but that was a fucking massive hit. And that's kind of what Matty Kachuk needed, uh, had to kind of bring to this game because they weren't scoring. So Kachuk can also fucking send you to a different planet with a hit. So that's what he did. He hit their biggest forward, their most, uh, well, you know, one of their most important forwards on the team. And yeah, drew a crowd and shit was getting kind of ugly there. But honestly, I thought the hit was clean. Uh, Kachuk ends up getting a 10-minute, but it wasn't for the hit. Apparently, it was for some roughing or whatever the hell happened after. You know how big hits go. Whenever there's a big hit, everyone, I think like instantly three Vegas Golden Knights came over and were dealing with Matty Kachuk. So uh, he got a 10-minute in that situation. But as far as I can tell, it wasn't for the hit. It was for other shenanigans. But he ends up... In the late game, he ends up getting another 10, and he's tossed out because shit was getting wild. We didn't want anybody to get hurt, and obviously, um, tensions were really high with the Panthers. They're getting their asses beat. Um, they're really not in a good situation in the series right now, and uh, yeah, referees wanted to get ahead of that, so I'm, I'm fine with that. I know people have been commenting on the on the refereeing in this series so far, but I mean, what else is new? It's always going to be 
not to our liking. It's just that's just how it goes in the playoffs. They're going to not call things when it should be called, and they're going to make certain calls that maybe aren't the best. But um, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing new to report on that. It's it's always going to be the same. But series still isn't over. It's I mean, it's in a they're in a really bad spot. The Florida Panthers. They haven't lost at home yet, so we can't say it's like done done. But if they if they go down three nothing, then it's pretty much as as good as done. It's going to be next to impossible to beat Vegas four times in a row. I mean, they're just a, they're a team right now that that's probably not going to happen unless something terrible happens to Aiden Hill and then Jonathan Quick comes in, breaks his leg, and then, I don't know, they need to use a, 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 some sort of emergency backup goaltender. That's really the only way that I'd be able to see Florida come back out of a 3 nothing deficit, but that's not the case they're in just yet. It's only 2 nothing. Though it is a deficit, I mean it's it's not over until you lose at home. So the Panthers are going to come home, and they're going to need they're going to need um, they're going to need something to get to happen. I mean Brandon Montour, he's been playing really good. He just hasn't been getting any points anymore. I don't think he scored in nine or ten games or something like that. So though he's been playing really well, he just hasn't been able to get on the board. And I don't know what the Panthers are going to have to do to try and break through. The, the impenetrable fortress that is the Vegas Golden Knights right now. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely going to be tough. And if they're going to lose Gudis, now we don't know that officially yet until probably game time. He'll more than likely be a game time decision if he's going to be in there or not. It's not like he's a, you know, the biggest game changer out there. He only plays like 13, 15 minutes a game. But when he's out there, it's it, people, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are definitely trying to be more aware of that. They don't want to get their head taken off, but... You know, the way that Gudis got blasted and he went down, like, uh, maybe that isn't all that much of a focus for Vegas. They're like, we're big too, and we can take him the fuck out, no problem. We're bigger than Kachuk, so it's uh, it's looking very good for Vegas right now. I'm not going to say that it's it's over until the fat lady sings, but man, looking good for Vegas right here. I'm, I'm really happy for them. And I'm excited to see uh, Game Three. That's for sure. We gotta, you gotta see if uh, Florida is going to be able to bounce back out of this one. Everyone had a, a lot of good feelings about Florida coming into this series, but I mean, it looks like it has taken an effect on them. That really, really long break. Like I said, man, like you're gonna have that many days off, then you're gonna lose a little bit of momentum. But now they got a couple games under their legs. Hopefully they got a little bit of uh, momentum coming back, even though they lost. But at least they got some adrenaline going, and maybe they can get their legs going in this series. Because I wanted to be more competitive than this. Like, Vegas is really kind of dominating the series right now, and I would like it to be a lot more competitive than this. Because, I mean, fuck, man, it's the finals. This is going to be the last hockey we see for a few months, so I want it to be really good. And it's not that it's bad or anything, it's just not not as competitive as I'd like it to be. So I'm hoping that game three will be more competitive. And uh, yeah, man, hopefully Florida can get a win. I wouldn't want them, because right now they're still, um, they haven't had a win in the finals yet. Because when they made it to the finals in 96, they got swept by Detroit. No wins there. And so far they've lost two in a row to Vegas. So still no wins. So it'd be really awesome to see Panthers get at least one win in the finals. So then they don't have to have that fucking hanging around with them all the time. But Hopefully it's a good game. So I think that's everything that I want to talk about right now today. It's not we don't have too too much news, but soon I'm going to be taking a look at the uh, unrestricted free agency. We'll take a look at some of the bigger names out there, where they might be able to land, and maybe for how much. That could be a bit of fun. And I guess I'll talk a little bit here about Connor Bedard because I don't know he just kind of popped into my head. Uh, the season's all done for him, and the awards were coming out. He was the first ever CHL player to win like certain amount of rewards or some shit he got like best player of the year and all that stuff so yeah I mean I don't think it's all that big of a surprise that he cleaned up at the award show down there the guy had more goals than he played games 150 points he had an outrageous season he's also come out and said that he is happy to come to Chicago he's gonna be there's no situation there where if Chicago picks him he's not gonna come over there and sign some people have been saying that he would do that but uh, I I can't see it. I think he's he's going to be totally happy going there. It's an original six team with a lot of history, though some of it not the not the brightest history, especially in recent memory. But he could definitely be the guy that turns the whole franchise around and and gets them out of that, those uh, that little bit of a dark passage that they've had here uh, after all their Stanley Cup wins. So 
Uh, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited to see what Connor Bedard, Fantilli, and what other guys are going to make it into the NHL in the first year. Like, what's going to happen? Leo Carlson going to be really good. This Everyone's talking about this draft as to be extremely stacked. Probably the most stacked we've had since 2015. I, I don't... Who knows? I, I remember 2015 being particularly stacked and Boston fucking it up. Oh, I'll never forget that one. That was so good. But yeah, man, I'm excited to see Connor Bedard. The draft is only, what, four or so weeks away. Oh, and I guess I'll also mention the Ottawa Senators situation and uh, how that's... Nothing's really going on there. So that was something that Bettman mentioned during that uh, press conference that it still seems to be weeks away. He used the word weeks, which is um, interesting because it seemed like it was so close. But um, honestly, we've never had um, a sale of a team with this much media coverage. Uh, we've It's just a different world. It's been a long time since something like this has gone down. And yeah, a lot of media coverage, a lot of people just waiting to see who it's going to be. It's more than likely going to be I forget his name but it's going to be the bid the boring bid and the rich guy so the rich guy's gonna get it I don't care anymore because Ryan Reynolds is out I mean Snoop Dogg I believe is still in there that's cute if he wants to be there that's awesome and on top of that, they're also, you know, they're waiting on this so that they can get an answer out of DeBrincat because DeBrincat's like, I'm I'm not making any decisions until they know what the owner situation is going to be. But like, I don't know, man, at this point, I just feel like DeBrincat doesn't want to be an Ottawa senator if, if the ownership thing is that big of a deal. Like all the owners that are up for grabs, like they all seem like it's going to be fine unless he doesn't like Snoop Dogg and or The Weeknd and or Ryan Reynolds, who's not in it anymore. But yeah, I don't know what's going on going on with the Brencat. They have come out and said like they're they are ready to do whatever is going to be needed to do. Rather, they're signing this guy, they're trading this guy, or or what? They said they're they're ready for it, so they're just waiting on an answer for the owner, which then they're waiting for an answer on DeBrincat. And then hopefully the ball can really start to roll for the Ottawa Senators, because right now they're just stuck waiting for a new owner to get announced. So until that happens, there's really nothing new on that front no one's dropped out no one's allowed to come in anymore because the bids are final but uh yeah man still waiting for the ottawa senators to get their shit done and that will be really fun when they do and uh, yeah hopefully it'll be good and they can just move on but that is it everybody for me this week thank you so much for listening you're awesome let me know what you think of all the news going on in the NHL right now. What do you think about that Caulfield deal? It's, it seems like everyone's pretty damn jealous about that deal. It looks, It's going to be a banger, I would have to imagine. Be a very low chance, I think, of that, that contract going poorly. Don't have a game until Thursday, so until then, just, uh, you know, be good. Enjoy the rest of your week. I know it's only hump day, but we're getting closer to the weekend, and the weekend could be the end of hockey. We could have our last hockey game, I believe, on Saturday if if the... Vegas Golden Knights are going to go ahead and complete the sweep, then Saturday is going to be our our last day of watching hockey, NHL hockey games. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. I'm really rooting for Florida to get a win. Like I said in the last episode, I'm fine with both teams winning. I like a team that's going to win its first Stanley Cup. I, I enjoy that very much. So I think that's really cool for the fans especially. And there you go, everybody. So enjoy some hockey. Be good. Have a good rest of your week. We'll be back on the weekend with the WrestleCast. And on Monday, we'll be doing the GamerCast. You can go back and listen to the previous GamerCast, which was about 10 games that made me rage throughout my life as a gamer. So pretty fun episode to go through and kind of go through some embarrassing memories of me uh, being a fucking hothead. So you can go there and listen to that. Let me know what you think. If you have any ideas or games or something that you want me to do in the future just let me know send it an email twitter all that stuff links are down below you can also check out the youtube channel if you want some more content from this guy i'm playing through resident evil 8 village still over there so you can go check that out that'd be a lot of fun and you can follow on twitter if you want to send in questions related to hockey video games or wrestling or if you have just any in general questions that's fine we can answer them here on the podcast that would be fun So there you go, everybody. Another podcast down. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll be back again soon with some more GX Plus Gazed.